the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. The United States Senate has approved the $1.5 trillion spending bill that expands the power of the IRS and dramatically increases the size and scope of government last evening. But also it sends $13.6 billion to Ukraine. We're going to get into that. Now, Senate Republicans voted for this. 18 of them voted for it. Uh, Senator Barrasso from Wyoming, uh, Roy Blunt from Missouri, uh, Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia, Susan Collins from Maine, John Cornyn from Texas, Joni Ernst from Iowa, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, Chuck Grassley from Iowa, uh, Kathy Hyde-Smith from Mississippi, Mitch McConnell from Kentucky, Senator Moran from Kansas, uh, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, Rob Portman from Ohio, Senator Shelby from Alabama, John Thune from South Dakota, Tommy Tuberville from Alabama, uh, Senator Wicker from Mississippi, and Senator Young from Indiana approved Nancy Pelosi's $1.5 trillion omnibus bill. What good are Republicans when we have Republicans doing the work of Democrats? So I want to focus on one part of this, which, of course, is us spending $13.6 billion to Ukraine. Now, I'm not going to get into whether or not we should send the money. I've already made my position clear on that. I'm going to ask a couple questions about this. Have our leaders thought this through? What, what does success look like with this sort of funding appropriation? What is an acceptable result? So a rational way of going about spending money, any person that we have here at NRB would ask the question, before you spend $13.6 billion, before you embark on a mission, you, might not, you, you don't have to say if it's the right or wrong thing to do, but also weigh the reality of pulling off that task and the track record associated with the entity or the organization proposing it. So I have a question for all of our listeners that support sending money to Ukraine. Do you have trust in the CIA? Does Mark Milley and Lloyd Austin give you confidence? Because that's who we just funded. Does giving foreign aid to other countries give you confidence or does it give you skepticism? So just to be clear, these Republicans and a lot of people that are pushing for sending aid to Ukraine, and it might be the right choice, by the way. I have said I don't believe it is. I'm, I could be corrected, but it's already done. But here's the question. So the same government who let all the 9-11 terrorists in, did nothing to prevent the 2008 financial crisis, messed up our response to Hurricane Katrina, they can't build an Obamacare website, they gave billions of dollars of tax benefits to dead people, they spent billions of dollars of checks to the Social Security Administration to dead people, they wrongly locked down our country, they pushed a faulty vaccine on our population, they droned a random family in Afghanistan, they lied about the invasion of Iraq, these are the people that are now saying they're going to bring resolution to what's happening in Ukraine. The very same people that screwed up the Afghanistan withdrawal are now saying that everything's going to be perfect in Ukraine. If you guys loved what happened in Afghanistan, you guys are going to be thrilled with what happened is going to happen in Ukraine. Same sort of people. We give $85 billion of weapons to the Taliban. When we give money to foreign countries, we can't track that money. 
Quote, the $13.6 billion emergency package for Ukraine includes money for humanitarian aid, defense assistance, and economic support for the region. Lawmakers more than doubled the amount of money in the package over the past several weeks as the severity of the fighting and the humanitarian crisis in in Ukraine grew. The money is divided between what lawmakers term lethal and humanitarian aid. The humanitarian section includes $4 billion for displaced people within Ukraine and the estimated 2 million people who have fled the country since the war began two weeks ago. More than $2.5 billion will go to the U.S. Agency of International Development for food and health care support. Another $1.4 billion is intended for migration and refugee assistance. The defense or lethal aid section is $3 billion to support U.S. military's European command aid to, quote, use for operation mission support, deployment of personnel to the region, and intelligence support. Another $650 million will go to grants or aids or loans to the Department of Defense. So if you guys love Mark Milley, he just got a lot more powerful. The Mark Milley who's teaching CRT, who said that white terrorism is the biggest threat to America, that's who gets more powerful when you want to get involved in Ukraine, just so we understand what's really going on here. And I'm not making an argument of whether or not we should help the Ukrainians. I've heard very good arguments about it. But we're not dealing in that sort of circumstances. The moral question aside, let's just look at the technical question. Are the people running our country capable of actually accomplishing any form of success in Ukraine? Ask yourself that at a very fundamental. When you see Mark Milley, do you think General Patton or do you think a circus clown? The legislation also gives President Biden the authority to transfer an additional $3 billion in defense equipment to Ukraine and other allies supporting Ukraine. That is from National Public Radio. Let's play some sound here of Mitch McConnell saying that, look, we ended up with $14 billion. He said it needed to be passed quickly. Now, remember, Mitch McConnell never said the southern border wall needed to be financed quickly. He never said that our own border needed to be secured quickly. But if a country is in crisis 5,000 miles away, Mitch McConnell will make sure his oath to the Ukrainian. I'm sorry, he never took an oath to the Ukrainian Constitution. He's an office member of our country, but he sprints and dashes to go help Ukraine, and he never did that to support our own country. Hmm. Play cut 78. Well, let me start by saying if I were the majority leader, we'd be on the Ukraine supplemental right now. But where we've ended up is at $14 billion, an important step that needs to be passed, and it needs to be passed quickly. He says it's an important step. It needs to be passed and it needs to be passed quickly. We need urgency to help a foreign country. And look, it's completely evil and wrong what Vladimir Putin is doing in Ukraine. I'm not going to get into the moral part of this. We've built that out completely and totally. I'm just asking the question that for those of you that enthusiastically support arming Ukraine, who's to say the weapons will actually go where they're intended? So we spent $85 billion in weapons in Afghanistan, and now the Taliban have helicopters they don't even know how to fly thanks to our taxpayer dollars. So if you don't have trust in the American elites, if you don't have trust in the people that run our country, what's to say that they will actually be able to manage a successful course of action in Ukraine? If we were not able to properly handle the Chinese coronavirus and we locked down our own country, who's to say that we'll be able to handle a nuclear armed power? So the Republicans that voted for this bill, they just empowered Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley. Remember Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley, people that run the Department of Defense? They just made them some of the most powerful people in Washington, D.C. Funding Ukraine is very similar to what we saw in the summer of Floydapalooza. 
after the death of St. George Floyd when everyone decided to lose their mind for 90 days. There was a push by corporations to go fund BLM because it felt like it was the right thing to do. We obviously opposed it at the time. But then two years later, we realized BLM, we don't know where the money went. They bought homes all across North America. It was probably laundered and everyone got rich. But it felt good at the time. We have to do it urgently. Have we learned nothing over the last two years that when the mass media hysteria tells us to do something, we should probably take pause? And even more than that, are the elites capable of doing difficult and complex things? No, not these people. Not Jake Sullivan, the man who was involved in spying on Donald Trump while he was president. Certainly not Jen Psaki. Kamala Harris has never done anything significant in her life. Joe Biden, we all know he's just a puppet. He doesn't know he's president. So we have to ask ourselves the technical question, which is, if you don't trust the elites to do things that are basic, why would nuclear conflict be something we'd want to throw ourselves into? I'm open to be uh, corrected on this. If you have faith in our elites, you're going to love what comes out of Ukraine. The IRS, through this bill, is getting the largest increase of funding in 20 years. So you can thank the Senate Republicans of Barrasso, Blunt, Capito, Collins, Cornyn, Ernst, Graham, Grassley, Hydesmith, McConnell, Moran, Murkowski, Portman, Shelby, Thune, Tuberga, Wicker, and Young for your upcoming audit. So when you guys get audited because of your wrong politics, these Republicans just gave $600 million more million to the Internal Revenue Service for, quote, enforcement. Something tells me they're not going to be auditing BLM. They'll be auditing everyday Americans. Those are Senate Republicans that... We're enthusiastic to go fund what's happening in Ukraine, but not so quick when all of a sudden our southern border was wide open. Of course, the priorities are backwards. We can get into that. And again, I'm not making the position that morally we should not help countries that are invaded by stronger countries. But let's just think about this rationally and reasonably. Let's take a step back. So when you have a group of leaders that have messed up Every major decision that has implicated humanity over the last couple of years, lockdowns, virus, early treatments, vaccines, masks, immigration policy, and then we say, well, you know what? Now we want to have our leaders involved in the highest stakes thing that we could possibly imagine. I'm wondering for the senators that voted yes for the $16 billion to, $13 billion to Ukraine or the people that want us to get involved, what in particular gives you the peace of mind our rulers won't make this worse? So what is the downside of heavily intervening in Ukraine with weapons and ammunitions? Well, the downside could be nuclear war. It's that simple. That is on the table. I don't think it's likely, but it's something that could happen, or a widespread, raging, kinetic conflict. What is the upside of us getting involved in Ukraine? The best case scenario right now is a longer war in Ukraine. That's the best case scenario, which very well might be a good argument. I have people that come up and they say, Charlie, we got to do everything we possibly can to help Ukraine. Okay. What's the best way we could do that? And even the best case scenario, what's the chance of the probability our leaders won't be too corrupt or too stupid to not actually have that best case scenario be pulled off? So we have, a, we have a question here, which is, if they mismanage this, if they don't handle this properly or prudently, the stakes of the game could go even further. If we can't get out of Afghanistan after 20 years, and we can't properly support a country that does not have a sophisticated military, then something tells me a $13.6 billion funding bill 
is probably going to be not even a challenge, but very well could be used in a corrupt and wrong manner. So Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley are the people that are now going to be calling these shots. The very same people that said we should shut down Bagram Air Base in Afghanistan so we lost all air support before we withdrew. The very same people that gave brand new Black Hawk helicopters and tens of thousands of rifles and very heavy munitions to the Taliban. So if we were not able to secure our own weaponry in Afghanistan, who's to say that the weaponry in Ukraine is going to go into the right hands? Now, this is a purely technical argument. But as we build out the kind of likelihood of our people in charge pulling it off, this should be a total pause. However, we've fallen for the trap again, haven't we? The mass hysteria event. Remember, we spent $6 trillion to bail us out of COVID policy for lockdowns that never should have happened in the first place because we were told it urgently needed to be done. We spent hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, to go give money to charities to go eradicate systemic racism, and none of that money actually went where it was desired. And what's been so shocking to me is how few Republicans are willing to speak up and say, wait a second, if we have an unlimited list of a train of abuses and deceit and corruption and ignorance from the people that actually call the shots, wouldn't this be the time for us to maybe say, hey, if Ukraine needs some help, then but a couple hundred million just to start, just to see where that money would go? If that's the answer, I don't even think that's the right answer, but it's done. But there's this massive thing where what if this actually gets worse? And there is this open question of whether or not we are actually wanting to be drawn into this conflict. This could escalate quickly. And this has happened many times before. The Vietnam War started as us sending military advisors and equipment against the Viet Cong, and it escalated into a massive conflict where thousands, tens of thousands of Americans lost their lives. Who's to say that the people that are corrupt in D.C. will be able to pull off anything meaningful or helpful or meaningful in Ukraine? I'll give you an example. An inspector general report said the United States wasted billions a year on cars and buildings that were never visited in Afghanistan. Quote, a report released by the U.S. government over 20 years shows that in Afghanistan found that America wasted billions of dollars in the war-torn country on buildings and vehicles that were abandoned or destroyed. In fact, on multiple instances, hundreds of bridges were built just to be destroyed months later. The agency said that $7.8 billion were spent on buildings and vehicles that were never used. Over $340 million worth of buildings and vehicles were maintained in good condition, said the Special Special Inspector General report. So the email from Jeannie here is, look, people are getting slaughtered. Now is not the time to do nothing. I'm not making a comment on that. I've already said that. There is opinions on both sides. I come down on the side that you know, this could escalate out of control and that these are two very corrupt countries. What I'm instead getting into is what's to say this funding appropriation will make it better, spent properly, prudently, won't escalate the conflict, and the management of those dollars will actually have some sort of desired success. And what is that success? Have they thought through the steps and the moves and the counter moves to this? What does success look like? What is an acceptable result? And if you say, well, an acceptable result is defeating the Russian Federation, okay, then that means Americans are going to have to go to war. Ukraine is not going to defeat the Russian Federation on their own. That, that ship has sailed. you got to be realistic. So it's okay. You want to go spend a trillion dollars and maybe 100,000 American lives to go to turn Russian invasion in Ukraine? Then that might be your position. 
I couldn't disagree more with that. So, okay, I want to get to some more tape here. Representative Rosendale says he voted no on providing aid to Ukraine because of the invasion on our own border and because of how corrupt Ukraine is. I'm playing this because it is rare to actually hear a member of Congress prioritize action here domestically over something happened 5,000 miles away in a foreign country. When your own country is falling apart, I would like to see concentric circles of prioritizing the obligation to our people above injustices happening abroad, and they are injustices. Play cut 114. When they brought the resolution forward, as you said, it was uncapped, unlimited military, monetary, and humanitarian support for the Ukraine. And there is no way that I was going to support that at the exact same time that we're experiencing an invasion on our own southern border. And so now I will assure you the request will be coming for billions of dollars of relief to be sent to Ukraine, which, by the way, everyone has been talking about for the last two years that it's one of the most corrupt nations on earth we don't even know where that money's going to go how it's going to be fully utilized and and i wasn't going to sign off on that resolution yeah i'm really proud of congressman rosendale for saying that and so someone just sent us charlie it's very simple the money goes to ukraine okay it's you know how stupid that is to say that's like saying you get energy by plugging something into the holes in the wall okay tell me exactly where the money goes you just drop it from Airplanes are just going to drop hundreds of dollars of bills. Now tell me the organizations that are going to be funded. I'll tell you the organizations that are going to be funded. NGOs, non-government organizations that believe in globalism, open borders, anti-Christianity, LGBT stuff. No, name the list of the organizations. Do you think that Samaritan's Purse is going to get any of that money? Of course not. The organizations that actually might be able to do meaningful. Burisma might get some of that money. Hunter Biden might get some of that money. No, list the organizations where that money is going to go. Meanwhile, I can name the defense contractors that are going to make a ton of money off of this. The missiles that will be purchased, the airplanes that will be supplied. It's the same sort of mentality where people say, no, we're just going to figure it out. Well, that's a lot of money just to kind of figure out. You know, $14 billion, that's a significant sum to go into a war-torn country. How, what's to say that won't go to oligarchs? Now, for people that have traveled internationally, especially to African countries, when you travel to poor countries, one of the great tragedies is the good intentions of the American taxpayer and how that gets corrupted through foreign aid. You know, for example, U2 and Bono, they'll do all these concerts to go try to feed Africa. Unfortunately, studies show that very little of that money actually gets down to the villages and the people themselves. It gets laundered through government. Through governments, it goes to oligarchs and to corrupt leaders and rulers to fund the lifestyles of the world's ruling elite. Ukraine, kind of built into the internal operating system of the Ukrainian mob, is corruption. I mean, I, I'm not going to say any names here or else one of my team members is going to get upset. But let's just say someone who has been um, very close to me, who is, was born and raised in Ukraine, was even imprisoned in the Soviet Union, he himself says you got to be really careful sending money to Ukraine. You have no idea where that money is actually going. It could actually make things much worse. Now, if I'm wrong, I want someone to put forward the plan. Put forward the plan that why in two weeks something thoughtful and precise as far as funding allocation in Ukraine was something that was, that's meaningful, that our leaders are so brilliant that, hey, they messed up COVID, they messed up the southern border, they messed up everything in the IRS. They wrongly locked down the country. They couldn't build an Obamacare website. They wrongly invaded Iraq. They lied about WMDs. But in the last two weeks, they found Jesus. They tell the truth now. 
In fact, they're no longer corrupt and they're brilliant. Overnight in the last two weeks, our leaders, they get everything right. We got an email, quote, in early 2013, my wife and I were in Kiev and ultimately Kirsten for about a two-month stay in order to facilitate the adoption of a special needs child. Corruption was rife and everywhere in Ukraine, including in the judiciary that oversaw adoptions. But life seemed manageable for the average Ukrainian, and they were able to get a U.S. dollar for seven Hervarni. All transactions of substance were undertaken in U.S. dollars. When we returned in mid-2017 again to adopt a child and again for two months, the post-made-in-putsch regime had noticeably ruined the country with the U.S. dollar now costing 27 to Hervey. Regardless of the hilarious signs at the Bolson airport that corruption was actually seen as a status symbol in Ukraine, quote, people in Ukraine would brag saying, look at me, I have the latest Range Rover, courtesy of Uncle Sam and the United States government, and you don't. I can break the speed limit or any rule I want to. No one can touch me because I'm connected. In other words, there was a new entitled class built via the means of the U.S. taxpayer of terrible policy emanating from the State Department and the United States Department of Defense. And they were above the law, while the average Russian-speaking person out of Ukraine and the other regions were far worse off. That's just one example, and we get hundreds of these types of examples. And so, again, the, the moral question is important. Should you help? Regardless of our own problems here, I know a lot of people are enthusiastic about it. We get emails, Charlie, we should just start bombing Russian convoys. That's a very bad idea. But I understand the gut instinct to want to go help and to exterminate evil. I really do. I get it. I sympathize with it. I think restraint in those regards is probably good unless you're willing to go into a full kinetic war with Russia. And by the way, the more involved we got in Ukraine, we totally exported American values. They got more corrupt the more involved we got in Ukraine. The more we got involved in Ukraine, the more American values of corruption got implemented. Okay, I want to play another piece of tape here. Senator Bob Menendez predicted, quote, strong bipartisan support for $13 billion of humanitarian military aid to Ukraine. Play cut 115. Today, I hope uh, on the Senate floor we will pass uh, in a 13 plus billion dollar uh, Ukraine bill that will give them uh, more lethal uh, assistance, as well as we see from the pictures that just uh, took place uh, on your program, humanitarian assistance. And I believe there will be strong bipartisan support for that as well. And then finally, we need to keep finding every way to tighten the noose uh, around Putin's neck. Uh, so that this barbaric war can stop. So you hear that? Senator Bob Menendez says we need to spend the $13 billion so this barbaric war can stop. I agree we should try to stop the war. How does supplying more weapons stop a war to a weaker opponent? That prolongs a war. And that might be the right choice. Maybe, you know what, we need to, pro we need to make sure Ukraine fights Russia forever till Russia leaves. They're probably not going to leave. Putin has no choice. He's only going to further escalate this. What's the off-ramp? Are our leaders thinking of how we could try to broker peace or try to broker further conflict so defense contractors can make more money? Now, I just want to play a tape here that just really frustrates me, if I can be perfectly honest. Okay? It's from a couple years ago, and some people say, Charlie, this is unrelated. It's totally related. It's President Trump saying, quote, we're talking about a wall for our country for at most $20 billion. I could do it cheaper. I need about at most $15 billion. And it'll be better than anyone could ever seem. So President Trump with a Republican House and Senate was asking for the same amount of money, nearly the same amount of money, that our Republicans rushed and were enthusiastic to go send to a country in a far distant land that we do not have an allegiance or an alliance to, that is corrupt, launders money, and full of oligarchs. 
And yet when Trump asked for it, no Republican leader was willing to fund a southern border wall as we saw two million people cross into our country illegally last year. Play cut 118. And we're talking about a wall for 20 billion, 15 billion. I could even do it cheaper if I have to. And it'll be better than anybody's ever seen a wall. And so Trump was asking for $20 billion. And ask yourself, what is a better return on the investment for the American people? $14 billion to Ukraine or $20 billion for a wall? Which is better for your kids and grandkids? Which is better for American sovereignty? Which one is less likely to have the flow of fentanyl come into America? Maybe it's Ukraine. Maybe you say, hey, Charlie, this is the most important thing. $14 billion is not enough. It should be $140 billion. doesn't matter with $30 trillion in debt. We should do it full speed ahead. But before you embark on a mission, you not need to just say, is this the right thing, but also weigh the reality of pulling it off. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of intervention in the world that is the right thing to do, but it not, might not be the prudent thing to do. I'll give you an example. Liberating the people of North Korea from the dic dictator of Kim Jong-un would be a moral good. It's not something we should do anytime soon. We don't have the resources, we don't have the ability or the willingness to go invade every country and liberate them from their leaders. Sometimes regime change can get very messy. Things can get a lot more complicated, more murky, than just kind of playing a video playing a video game and saying that we can easily take this person out, as Lindsey Graham says, just assassinate him, just take it out. You must weigh the costs and the benefits. And here's the problem and here's the challenge. The downside of this going wrong could be very significant. Does the United States fight to win anymore? Not, not the amazing veterans and military service people who are just phenomenal. I'm talking about the Mark Milley, the CRT, the woke regime running our military, do you have trust that if they get involved in a combat theater, that if they get involved in a kinetic conflict, which is what we are doing right now, whether you like it or not, we are now involving ourselves in a war. Supplying $3 billion of weapons is now being currently viewed by the Russian Federation as the United States directly involving ourselves in the war. Now, will that mean we're going to get further involved or less involved? What's the extent? Are we going to fight to win? This is one of the things that we warned about very early on about the Russian-Ukrainian situation. That in the Russian-Ukrainian situation, if we are not willing to see it all the way through, and the other side is, then we have already lost. This is one of the reasons why we were able to achieve victory in World War II. As soon as we were bombed in Pearl Harbor, as soon as our fleet was sunk in the Pacific, we said, we're in all-out war. We're willing to see this all the way through. We're willing to supply millions of troops. We're willing to go into debt. We're willing to convert our entire economy into a war machine. We're willing to convert our energy apparatus to be able to win. Do we fight to win? Fortunately, right now, the answer is no, is that the way we involve ourselves in military conflicts today is almost under the guise of the same sort of political correctness that plagues our society. The rules of engagement, for example, have been widely changed for the worse, I know many people that have served as SEALs, front lines. We have Marines that work on our security detail, and they say that the rules of engagement have been so sorely changed in combat theaters that it almost disallows us to be able to fight the way we need to fight, to fight to win and eliminate the enemy. 
All these things need to go into the calculus of whether or not our leaders have the capacity and the ability to be able to achieve what would be called success and victory. Let's get to another piece of sound here. Um, do we have cut 122 of Senator John Tester from Montana? We do. Let's play cut 122, please. We need to pass this bill. If you're concerned about the Ukraine, we need to pass this bill. If you're concerned about feeding hungry people in this country, we need to pass this bill. If you're concerned about child care, we need to pass this bill. If you're concerned about housing, we need to pass this bill. If you're concerned about the high cost of gasoline, we need to pass this bill. And if you're concerned about the threat that China has to this country, we need to pass this bill. Enough excuses. Let's get the job done. A lot of energy from Senator John Tester to try and make sure that we further involve ourselves in this conflict. So I just want to reinforce this, though, which is the lack of trust that I have in our leaders and our elites. When I hear that the Department of Defense or Mark Milley or the Central Intelligence Agency or the entire security apparatus is going to be given more funding and more power, I get very concerned, and you should too. Have they built up a track record of credibility? If you're going to send billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars, of additional funding into a very contentious situation, you're going to want to see the people who are actually involved. This is an argument that I've used with a lot of conservatives, and they agree. I say, okay, you might want to get involved in Ukraine, but do you actually think the people in charge have the prudence and the wisdom to be able to successfully pull it off? And you know the answer is no. They can't build an Obamacare website. They lied to us from the NIH to the CDC. The rulers in charge are either corrupt or dumb or a lethal mixture of both with cockiness and arrogance in addition. So if we ask ourselves the question, what is the prudent course of action for the United States of America, we must factor in not just what we ought to do, but what can we do? What are our leaders capable of? And I'm very afraid that in the zeal of the moment, under this mass hysteria, our leaders and Republicans very may, might have well gotten us into something that we're going to massively screw up. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Carol Platt-Lebow for townhall.com. Elton John once sang that sorry seems to be the hardest word. But hard or not, government officials must publicly apologize for their many destructive mistakes in handling the pandemic. The purpose of an apology isn't to humiliate or punish. Rather, in a democratic republic like ours, government is the people's servant. If government workers escape accountability, their mistakes aren't corrected and public trust isn't restored. Worse, it sends a message that they're superior to those they're supposed to be serving. What's more, the leaders at the CDC, NIH, and elsewhere didn't just make mistakes. They tried to disgrace, marginalize, and silence those with dissenting views who, for the most part, turned out to be right. That behavior ran contrary to best scientific practices and demonstrates why free speech and the free exchange of ideas matter. It was a disgrace. We require school children to take responsibility for their wrongdoing. Surely high government officials can rise to the same standard. I'm Carol Platt-Lebow.
the Pepperdine School of Public Policy, America's unique graduate program for leaders. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.